0: So we get up from the altar, we go to the back, Paul Stevens comes over, introduces himself, and he sees me in shorts and a t-shirt and he goes, are you getting baptized tonight? And I said, yeah. (laughs) And that's how I got saved. Wow, so baptized on the same night. Same night. Wow. In Pastor Warner's mother's pool.
1: Yeah. (laughs) What? Pastor Warner's mother's pool. Yes.
2: Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach. Affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Well, hello and welcome back to the
1: VBPH Sermon Podcast. Pastor Adam here with you again. And we are very excited because on this episode of Testimony Tuesday, we have not only one testimony, but two testimonies at the same time. And we're very excited to welcome Pastor Keith and his wife, Carrie Sullivan, all the way from Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you.
1: So uh, we've got you in town for some weekend ministry. We had a a wonderful marriage seminar over the last 24 hours. And I'll be preaching for us tomorrow. So um, we thought, hey, we got some extra time on a Saturday night. Uh, would you be willing to do a little testimony? And uh, you are very gracious to join us. So thank you for your time.
0: Great. It's fun to be here. Thanks for asking us.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, we, uh, we do these testimonies, um, and I'm always amazed at the wide range of stories that we get uh, from our pastors in our fellowship. And so... Um, for those who don't know you, Pastor Sullivan, maybe you can just give yourself uh, a little introduction and tell us where you are currently and in the brief history of your ministry.
0: For for brief.
1: yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, most people would know you because you were you know they're, yeah. they're in Prescott and for a so while.
0: I, I was. Uh, we just went on on to our second year in Rochester, and uh, of course, before that, I had the great privilege of being the assistant in uh, Prescott back and uh, got the. Got a front row seat to kind of the uh, transfer of uh, from Pastor Wayman Mitchell to Pastor Greg Mitchell. Uh, Before that, uh, we were in Ireland for three years and we uh, ran into uh, some visa problems. They changed some laws and uh, we weren't able to stay. So that's why we left there. Previous to that, we were in Lithuania for 11 years. And before that, two years on Cape Cod assisting. Uh, Before that was Chicopee, Massachusetts for 10 years. And we uh, originally pioneered in Falmouth, Massachusetts, in 1988.
1: Whoa, 1988. So uh, public math is dangerous, but that is going on 30 years of ministry, almost? Or 25?
0: No, it's going on 33 years of ministry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, that's, that's incredible. Our 34 years. It's going on 34 years.
1: You might be the pastor with the most experience that we've had on the podcast so far. Wow. So, uh, yeah. yeah, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you yeah, yeah. have to be very careful.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we should also let our audience know that uh, that you uh, came for us when we were there in Bulgaria, um, when we were missionaries. And I think we were pretty pretty fresh on the ground, still kind of screwing our heads on straight.
0: Yeah, when you came, there was a mutual friend uh, who uh, got in touch with me and uh, said, "You know what? I'll even help you get there because uh, because you've got some experience." Adam just landed, and the american Americanness kind of connection would help. <laughs> and uh, was that Craig McLaughlin? No, that was oh. actually um, Edward Edwin uh, Youngkout. Youngkout. Oh yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, he had just been for you and called me immediately. He's <laughs> like, uh, "This guy needs help." <laughs> well, he just thought we could we would connect well. Yeah, And, um, you know, the American thing. And so uh, if I could come down and help you, and especially with some of the Eastern European things and uh, just being a missionary, there was uh, always a general rule that uh, I can't, you know, you can't lock this in. Not everybody faces it. But most people as a missionary, it really something happens, you know, some kind of something happens and you realize or you think and what? did I do? Why, did, <laughs> why did I do that? What was I thinking? Am, why, I, be, am I being punished? <laughs> why did I think this was going to be a good idea? You know, and, and usually it's in the first six months, something shakes you. And, uh, you know, if you're aware of that, you can navigate that and go on. And, and, you know, most missionaries I've talked to, um, doesn't matter what country you go to or what, you know, what the situation is or how much experience you have. Um, typically there's something that just shakes you and and you know challenges your faith and such and uh, you know you navigate through it and go on and most do so but it's good to be aware of some things you can't prevent you just need to be aware of
1: well yes there was there was a point that uh I can clearly remember and I'll tell you exactly when it was uh when we came to bulgaria it was actually cheaper for some reason, to buy a round trip ticket than it was to buy a one way ticket.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yes. <laughs> and, and I can remember the date, you know, coming up. I'm holding the return ticket in my hands, looking at it, thinking to myself, "We could go. <laughs> we don't have to stay." But it was like, uh, it was like again, laying down our lives, saying, "Okay, I guess we'll stay." <laughs>
0: right. That well, that day came and went for us too. I remember that our our big day. Uh, like our big shock day was nine eleven. Oh, we landed May twenty something, two thousand one in Lithuania, and uh, it starts with Lithuania didn't change their clocks then. They had gotten uh, they had a commission that broke up, and they ended up and they were they were way off from everybody and all their neighbors and everything um and so we land in the airport and we're an hour ahead of when the pastor thought we would land Uh uh-huh and we had bought these Pimsler learn lithuanian tapes which are just junk they're they're more about picking up women in bars than they are about learning the language (laughs) they're horrible um
3: would you like some beer would you like (laughs) some wine at the hotel at my place
0: (laughs) you know it's just yeah it's just like that so we think at least we got a few words down. And and those words that we did use learn that we could use were like ancient. Uh-huh. Like how were you was literally like how's it going would be like farest thou well. <laughs> and you know, something that no one says anymore. It's like I this. my lord. Yes. <laughs> so we sounded like very
3: strange people. Strange.
0: But there's but we're there. Uh the pastor's not there and um
3: no one's at the airport to meet us.
0: Oh wow. Except th- then a woman shows up, and we're trying to ask her and like, where is Pastor Bill? Where is he? And and it's the only thing she responds to. Oh, Pastor Bill, Pastor Bill, yeah, da And then she babbles on, and it's like we don't understand what We can't grab one word she's saying. Have no idea. Well, it turns out she's she's Russian. Ah. She's not Lithuanian. She's Russian. She's only speaking in Russian, but we couldn't tell the difference at that point. And so we thought all of
3: our learning of Lithuanian in preparation was useless. And most of it was, but
0: (laughs) some of it was helpful.
1: Well, it was very useless when speaking Russian. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Well, um, we want to get uh, an idea of how it is that you became, uh, the people you are today. And, uh, to do that, I'd like to go back to the beginning. Are you guys both from the Cape originally?
0: Mostly, yeah. Mostly. I, I We moved there when I was seven. My family moved there, and your family moved my
3: there. We moved there when I was five.
0: Okay. From originally?
3: Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, so we moved all around the country. I lived in Nebraska, then Syracuse, New York, then Washington State.
1: We yeah. know all about military brats around here. Yes. Okay.
0: My I just was born in Boston. My parents lived uh, just south of Boston in a place called Quincy, and we moved to Weymouth. And then eventually, um, my grandfather had moved to Cape Cod. He moved to Hyannis Port mm-hmm. because he wanted the same address and zip code as the Kennedy family. Oh. Yeah. Very proud Irish Democratic uh, man. So... Um, he he was the first one to move down, and then eventually uh, he, he had three children, and they all eventually moved to the Cape. Okay, so all of us were were there.
1: All right, so I, I I'm always curious about your families. Um, were you brothers and sisters? You said three, right? Three that was of
0: you? my no. That was my father. He had oh, two sisters. Okay. Uh, I I only had a brother. Okay, older, younger, younger brother, uh, about 19 months younger than me. He's uh, he since passed away. Oh, okay, and so. Uh, yeah, we'll get into my story, and, and you, Carrie. I'm one of six. Wow. Yeah,
3: I'm the third child,
0: which is child. why we had two.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so yeah, six kids—that's a lot. When was there was there spaces in between, or were you all bunched yeah, together? Nineteen years
3: between the oldest and youngest—that's a lot. Yeah, my mom just really loved babies, and so every time <laughs> one would start to get big, she'd want another, and so three girls, three boys—the
0: Beckman bunch.
1: Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, what was it like growing up in your, your houses?
3: Uh, I have a great family. My parents are amazing. They've been married for 62 years. They still hold hands. They Aww. are just wonderful examples and really best friends. So I'm really, really blessed. They became Christians when I was seven years old.
1: and uh, That was about so the time you got to, to the Cape?
3: Yeah, just a couple of years after. Okay. So I got to grow up in a Christian home.
1: Do you remember seeing them change?
3: Yes, I do. Yeah, we had, they had, uh, they were good, good people, but uh, my dad was in the military. They would go out to the club and drink and hang out with their friends. I remember drinking and smoking that they would do, not me. (laughs) uh, Not at seven.
0: Not at seven
1: anyways. (laughs) Hey, we've had a few testimonies (laughs) like that.
3: (laughs) And uh, their friends became Christians, and this was in the 70s. And so started witnessing to them, inviting them out to church. My parents were like, no, not not very interested. Finally, they were supposed to go one night to a revival service. Uh, and they ended up blowing their friends off and going to a hockey game instead. And on their way home from the hockey game, they were in a, a head-on car accident. And uh, they said, if my mom didn't have her seatbelt on, she would have been killed. My dad went through the windshield. It was pretty serious. Whoa. But so their friends were like, you could have died tonight. You know, and at one point they thought they had, they had, there was all rumors going around that people had been killed in the accident. No one was fortunately. So when my parents got home from the hospital, they came over and said, you know, you didn't listen to us before. You need to listen to us now. And so my dad didn't want to listen to him. So he took a whole bunch of painkillers to get stoned as possible.
0: <laughs> he he was a backslider.
3: Yeah. He had grown up in a Christian home. Uh-huh. Didn't want to hear it. Um, but he said as soon as they started talking about Jesus, he was instantly sober. And so they sat there listening to him for several hours and just said, you know, that's great for you. Uh, we're glad you found something that makes you happy, but we're we're fine. We're okay. And then their friends left that night, and my parents ended up staying up till about 2 in the morning talking about it, and then got down on their knees in their own bedroom and prayed and just asked Jesus to come into their hearts and wow. surrendered their lives to him. And next day called their friends and said, hey, can we go to that church with you?
1: (laughs) Wow. So um, is this connected to fellowship or is this?
3: No, this was just, um, yeah, there was just, it was the Jesus people movement. So a lot of people were getting, uh, finding Jesus all over the place.
1: It was kind of a thing.
3: Yeah. And so they would go to a prayer meeting at one person's house and then they'd go to a Bible study at somebody else's house. And then they'd go play guitar and sing at somebody else's house and just. Really just hungry for God. Wow. And so I, they finally got into a church. And uh, so I grew up going to Bible study and youth group and church camp and all of those things. But didn't really live as a Christian.
1: <laughs> so, Pastor Sullivan,
0: how about your family? What was it like growing up for you? Uh, I grew up in a kind of an upper middle class. My dad was an electrical engineer. Uh, he worked at a nuclear power plant, which, um, uh, you know, obviously... Back in that day, paid well, and so um, so I grew up. It was pretty, pretty, pretty good home. They, you know, they they weren't saved. Uh, they were Catholic, but they uh, um, they did love each other, I believe, and, uh, and such. But uh, in uh, 1981, I was 15 years old. Um, the day before my mother's birthday, um, remember it very, very vividly. I, it's one of those days you just never forget. Uh, I got off the school bus. I had, uh, I was running cross-country, so I had stayed late in school and uh, got home pretty late and uh, heard the sirens go off. And uh, my dad was friends with a lot of the volunteer firemen. And uh, so one one siren was at noon, two men in emergency, three men of fire, and it was two sirens. And I remember hearing that and walking home and thinking, oh, well, you know, I hope whoever that is, they do Okay. And a couple hours later, um, there's a knock at our door, and my brother sticks his head in my room. Uh, I was actually, uh, I should have been doing homework, but I was uh, actually going through the Eagles anthology, and I was up to the third album, listening to every song on every album. And uh, he said, the police are at the door. And I said, what did you do? And he said, nothing. What did you do? And then my mother screamed my father's name, and uh, he had died in a car accident <gasps> day. And, um, so of course that's life changing life completely changing moment. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, he had, uh, uh, I'll give you the short story. Long story is too complicated for a podcast. Uh, but he did, he died in the car accident, passed out. He had gotten sick and he had hypoglycemia and which is yeah. the opposite of diabetes. So he, we knew he had been sick for a year, but he, he didn't want to go to the hospital doctor and find out. So, um, so it just finally caught up to him when he was driving home from work, and uh, mm. and that was it. So, wow. So that was that you were was, not ready for that. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone would ever be. No. How do you prepare? Right. Um, especially sudden. You know, his last words to me were literally, well, t- I'll talk to you when I get home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he would drop me off at the bus stop. And so uh, he did that morning. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, uh, that was uh, that really sent my whole family into. Uh, a little bit of a tizzy. And then unrelated, my mother was not in the car or anything, but unrelated, she ended up in the hospital, kind of long-term um, uh, stuff, not just a few days, but literally weeks. And um, I remember, si- I remember in uh, I was in gym class and uh, it was February. And I remember I was, uh, I don't know, we were playing maybe dodgeball or something, you know, something I had I got hit and I was out or whatever. And I remember just sitting there thinking, Wow, the beginning of this school year, my life was pretty normal. <laughs> and now it's not. I'm living with a relative. I haven't seen my mother. My dad's dead. My I haven't seen my mother in a couple of weeks. Uh, my brother, he's staying with his best friend. I ran into him by chance in the middle of on a you know, a a trail in the forest. Mm. Uh I was going to the store, he was coming back from it, and it was just like a chance meeting. Uh, There were no cell phones or Internet or anything like that in those days. So, you know, uh, I'm going from relative to relative. And, uh, you know, it kind of gave me an excuse to begin to. I had already started kind of, you know, just playing with the dope and the drinking and all that. But it it gave me an excuse and and no supervision to get away with a lot more.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: So um, did you uh, looking back on it now, do you think that. like you had to, you felt like you had to grow up quickly, or you were you trying to avoid it?
0: Uh, uh no. I, the one thing I didn't want to do was uh, um, cause my mother any more problems. My my brother started a little bit. Um, he ended up getting drunk and ending up in the ER and that kind of thing. And I'm like, I can't do this to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's already got way too much on her plate. Two young, two teenage boys. Uh, lost her husband, her best friend, her, or everything like that. And so, you know, now she's trying to navigate that, and I just felt like I can't do that to her. But, you know, the draw of sin and the peer pressure and all that is also two. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh i I'd go through moments of give, swearing off everything to, ah, we're back into it, and what difference to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So
1: Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, life-altering events.
0: Yep, sure was.
1: And how do you think that sh- shaped your life going f- for the next few years?
0: Oh, definitely opened me up to the gospel in a way uh, that I wouldn't have been mm-hmm. probably otherwise. Uh, so, you know, finish out high school. Um, had my, uh, I had also um, gotten a band's guitar.
1: Oh, well, we haven't covered this yet. Uh, when did you start playing instruments and being musical?
0: I uh, got my first guitar when I was <laughs> when I was thirteen for my uh, confirmation. Uh, oh, was it the summer of '69? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. It was probably the su- not that old. <laughs> it was probably the summer of '79. Or, uh, you know. Maybe you should write a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll be quite as popular as Brian's, but you know. Uh, but I can, re- that song is pretty, it's funny. It's relatable yeah. in one sense that, you know, um, uh, he talks about a band of four guys. So it's like, that's what we were. We were, uh, I bounced around a couple of bands, but the band I ended up in uh, at the, kind of my last high school band, um, we were better friends than musicians. Um, we just hung out a lot. Um, I, it, the guitarist, who eventually would become a Christian, I went to school with. We went to a technical school, so we were in the same shop. Uh, we worked at the same landscaping company. Um, we played in the same band. Um, I introduced him to his girlfriend. The joke in our senior year was, if you want to know what Keith is doing, ask Mark what he's doing. you want to know what Mark's doing, ask Keith what he's doing, and you'll know what each other's doing. We were pretty inseparable in that. The other guitarist, Tim, uh, he had been like... My one of my best friends since I was 12, 13 years old, Um, his parents lived. He parents were divorced. He lived on the Cape in the summer and and in uh, Washington, D.C. in the winter. And um, the last year my father was alive. My Christmas present was to go down and spend a week with him. And um, in Arlington here in Virginia, Hmm. it's the side they lived on. Uh, And um, yeah, so um, just good friends, good people uh you know um we weren't the worst uh, group to you know we weren't totally just stoners all the time um in fact mark really didn't do much of that mm-hmm. so uh our that's not what our band practice we were all about we actually tried to play yeah and and uh
1: were were you in the vein of uh the the eagles were you, were you going for that no, kind of a sound no we
0: actually we played more heavier stuff like uh Aerosmith and okay
1: the, well this is this is what like mid 80s this is absolutely so. Early big hair big era. era. Uh huh. Did you have big hair?
0: Yeah, I have. A, I have a picture I could show you.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll put it on the title of this podcast. Yeah, that yeah, would be yeah, fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With my British British t British flag T shirt and all that <laughs> tank top, and so
1: wow. Well, so uh, so Carrie, let's go back to your story for a minute. So uh, in your in your high school years, were you a wild teenager at all?
3: Um. Yes and no. I was. I was, if you looked at my life, I looked like a really good kid. Uh-huh. I was a cheerleader. I was on the student council. I was, I got good grades for the most part. Uh, my teachers liked me. I always had a job. Um, and to my parents and, the, you know, coworkers. So, I wh- looked...
1: While Carrie is telling her story, <laughs> Keith is bringing up pictures of him with a literal British flag shirt wow it was a thing back and then. Try, trying trying to uh, trying to uh low key <laughs> without on un- that's not going to happen keith <laughs> <laughs> it's probably thanks a lot for everybody if it doesn't happen <laughs> so sorry before oh, no, you were, were so rudely interrupted
3: <laughs> uh, so on one side i looked like a really good kid but on the other side i was getting more and more into partying i just really wanted to fit in with everyone else. I wanted to be popular, I wanted to be cool. I really wanted to be accepted and uh Jesus definitely didn't feel cool to me. And so I and I really I was more into a religion was what I had experienced. I hadn't mm-hmm. really I didn't know Jesus as mm-hmm. my savior. I didn't know him in a real way that could change my life. So that's definitely not cool
2: just yeah. being
1: religious. Uh, did you did you have a habit of uh, church attendance?
3: I did. I would. I even taught Sunday school pretty much through high school mm-hmm. until I, I would. <laughs> I'd go out on Saturday night with my friends, and I'd come into uh, Sunday morning to the church I was going to. They just they would allow anybody basically to teach Sunday school. If it Meant they didn't have to do the work; they were happy to have somebody else in there with the kids. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to be in church, so I would go there. And so, I went to church until I started working on Sundays, and then told my parents, "Oh, it's too bad. I have to work, so mm-hmm. I can't go to church."
1: And, uh, and you were okay, kind of okay with that.
3: I was fine with that. I found <laughs> church boring at mm-hmm. that point, and mm-hmm. I really, it didn't seem like there was any point in going, as I didn't get anything
0: out of it. Okay,
1: so I, I think you guys are about the same age, right?
3: I'm forty three days older. <laughs>
1: Okay. I graduated just, high school
0: the same year. Just and a normal. tad. Yeah. Okay. We
3: okay. were both 55.
1: <laughs> so uh, so what was, after high school, uh, what what was your life looking like at that point?
0: Well, can I back up? Cause sure. We, I yeah. mentioned a story. We met, kind of, during our high school year. Okay. And uh, you had asked that. We yeah. went to separate high schools. We actually went to rival high schools. Um, and um, so... Are you still upset about it? No. T E K. (laughs) I went to a tech school. So at a hockey game, one of her, one of her school came over and said, you know, Cape Cod Tech, give me a T, give me an E, give me a K. What does that spell? Tech. And there was a big fight. And so principals would get on the intercoms. There was a lot of that going on between our schools because our, my regional technical school drew kids from there, from from where she lived. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of mutual friends, acquaintances, um, and such. But the one night that we met her best friend was a girl named Jenny and her boyfriend was named Keith. So we go I go to a movie one night and I hear in the back uh, uh the, her her girlfriend scream out, "Keith!" and the the guys I'm with my bandmates actually, two of, two of my bandmates and they look over at me. I'm like, I don't know, you know, and so as we're leaving the theater, they're standing right in front of us, and we know this because we the movie we saw was only shown on one night, and we both were there. And as they're leaving, now I remember looking at her and her girlfriend and thinking, "Man, they're pretty." Uh, yeah, that'd be nice. And that was about it. So it's our big meeting before we were saved.
1: Wow. <laughs> okay, that's called foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> <It> could be. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, because the movie was called The Night of the, of the Living, living dead. dead. Wow,
1: that's a piece of history. Oh, my, the cult classic. Yeah,
0: the original zombie movie, but yeah.
1: Wow, amazing. So uh,
0: when was the next time you met? I'm curious.
3: Next time would be in church.
0: In church, if not at a concert, but I don't think it was. We were at a yeah. couple of concerts together, but so were 8,000 other people. So I don't know yeah. if we met. Huh. But uh, yeah, church would have been the next time.
1: Wow. So okay. So between the night of the Living Dead and then meeting again in church, there there's obviously must have been some events which transpired. How, how did we? Uh, how did we get exposed to the the church life?
0: So uh, I guess I got saved first. So um, so what happened to me is um, my, that, my the guitarist that I did everything with and the girlfriend I had introduced him to. Um, both got saved. Mark had gone to the church a year before and when they opened and they had shown the big three movies, which is what our fellowship did for years. And um, he went, got saved, but had no car and lived pretty far away uh, for Cape Cod standards anyway. And um, so he just never went back. And um, somebody had brought him and his girlfriend who I had known and longer than I actually had known Mark and had introduced them, She, uh, her mother was going to the church. Oh. And so she got in trouble, and she was grounded. The one place she could go other than school was to church. And so he said, I'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. So now he goes to church, happens to be the same church that the big three was shown in Victory Chapel on uh, on the Cape. Paul Stevens was our pastor the time and they both get saved Mm. and so he comes into work this was a wednesday night and uh he comes into work on thursday and he tells me he got saved and i have no idea what saved is i'm a catholic boy i don't know what this terminology is and uh we were landscaping and we were doing a big apartment complex how old were you i was 17 okay and uh, we had just graduated high school this was um this was the July after the May graduation, nineteen eighty four. So I see him, and he's telling me about this. You know, he went to church, and I'm like, oh, "I'm glad for you, whatever." Uh, you know, we got band practice tonight, or what? <laughs> you know, what, whatever. And I, we're cutting the lawn and and uh, cutting the big. And I see him take his bag off the back of the mower, go take it over to the barrel to empty it. He empties the bag, then he kneels down and he prays. And I'm thinking. That's weird. <laughs> I'd never seen that before. So we go on, and this is before iPods and, and earbuds. And so, uh, when you were cutting a lawn, you had nothing to do. You were—it was you and your thoughts. There was no distractions like people have today. So I'm, I'm thinking that. So we finish up and um, go to lunch, and we ended up taking a longer lunch than we should have because he started witnessing to me, and we were. I remember we were sitting on the hood of the truck, you know, on backs against the windshield and just uh, chatting about God and concepts and I'm getting philosophetic. And, um, you know, my whole thing was, um, my, my basic belief was based on a black Sabbath song, <laughs> you know, the lover, uh, the closer you get to the meaning, the sooner you'll know that you're dreaming, you know, it's like, yeah, no one is sure. You know, this kind of thing. You can't be sure. I'm not sure. No one's sure. Uh, and so um, what they did was set us up. Because the band was close, uh, our girlfriends were would constantly be around. And my girlfriend at the time had met his girlfriend. And so she calls her up and says, hey, let's go to a concert at my church on Friday night. A band is coming down from Salem. Well, I didn't know. Well, that meant I was going because when she agreed, and the you know they were going, I was going. So we went to this concert uh, shortly after, and I remember it was Friday the thirteenth. And um, we go there, and and I'm amazed. I hear testimonies. I've never heard a testimony before. I've I've heard one testimony. My boss. I, let me I, let me just rephrase that though. I never heard a live testimony. No one had ever witnessed to me. No one had ever. Um, shared the gospel in that sense. And so my boss, though, uh, separated me and Mark because there was some tensions that happened. And so we go to this concert and um, he's told me he my boss had become a Christian, but never really witnessed to me or pressed me that I needed to do it. And um, I'm kind of there. I'm blown away by the testimonies. The music's good. You know, uh, the words weren't Great, you know, uh, but you know they, the music was okay. Um, the band was funny. The local band was a was a kind of a black guy who had kind of Woodstock, and all he'd do was solo. An older woman who played Scott Joplin type piano, a trumpet player, Craig McLaughlin, uh, a couple of girls singing, and a drummer who was pretty good, but he would flip flop the beat. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh, at least it sounds did. jazzy it, it did it <laughs> it had a unique feel and no bass player and so uh and i was a playing bass at the time and so it was like you know this is like okay blown away by the testimonies blown away by um one of the skits upset me a little bit and so uh but the altar call comes raise your hand so i raised my hand not my arm so i just my i'm like okay i mean i maybe gotta come forward no I'm not going up there. I don't know what they're going to do. But my girlfriend does. <laughs> mm. She goes up and prays. And I'm like, well, this is weird. Isn't that
1: funny that the the, the females are always more sensitive? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so she gets saved. And I'm um, <clears throat> like, okay. So from there, um, we go out to a restaurant where there was a local New England chain called Friendlies. And it was ice creams and burger joint kind of thing. They also did breakfast. So and you could get anything you wanted. And so we're out sitting there and I'm like freaking out. And all these people are there and they're all nice. And so... They live up to the name. Yeah. So, but I go home. I'm mad. Saturday, I'm thinking about this. Uh, Sunday, we're supposed to meet and go to the beach. Um, And uh, as a band, right? And so, um, but... I get a call that they're going to be late. Mark, his girlfriend, and my girlfriend now have all gone to church. I'm like, okay. So I go to the beach anyway, and I'm waiting. They show up eventually. And, um, I'm like, you know what? I hate your church. Yeah. You know, they're wrong. They need to give me the microphone so I can tell them how wrong they are. You know, I'm Mr. Dope Smoking, <laughs> you know, authority. Right. And so, um, they're just, mark's like yeah they probably would if you came you know come talk to the pastor or whatever just come you know he's just just come and right. so so monday we go to work and uh, we're doing an install so uh, you know a new house putting in all the shrubs and everything and i remember i'm dinging a hole uh put it to put in a shrub and i turned to mark and i said you know what i hate your church and he goes good. I was praying you'd think about, you were thinking about it. I threw down the shovel. I'm like, stop it. My boss comes over and i like, what's the matter? I'm like, his church. I don't think his church is right. And he's like, okay. <laughs> They're praying so, for me. <laughs> so he said, se- he separates us. He says, you know what? You guys probably shouldn't work together. And we were a crew we would get, and we were pretty efficient for 17 year old kids. Uh, we would get, we were pretty efficient for him. We did our work and we didn't, Normally, take long lunches like when he witnessed to me. So, we we go on. He takes me out and he starts playing this cassette. He had been involved with a group called the Full Gospel Businessmen's. Oh, I've heard Association. of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, you know, just, uh, it was a good group. It was kind of the Christian version of the Rotaries, a mm. uh, Rotary Club. And so, um, but he had this tape of this Israeli colonel who gave his life to Jesus Christ and how powerful this was. And again, I had, this is all new to me. This is all coming at me like it was hard and heavy and fast because uh, nobody had ever witnessed to me. I never heard the words being born again. No one ever told me about John 316 or anything like this. When I saw John 316, at, like at a baseball game on the television, I thought it was a battering average. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I had no idea what that was. And so... Um, so now God's dealing with me. Tuesday night, we go out. And now it's this Mark and his girlfriend, my girlfriend, and the other guitarist and his girlfriend. And so the six of them, six of us are in my car, which seats five legally. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, her dad was a sergeant of police in, the poli- in one of the local police departments. So we're there. We're out. I don't I'm angry I'm mad we went out for ice cream or something and I'm driving home this really windy road and I'm doing like 60 miles an hour and I'm all over it and if anybody had been coming the other way at the wrong curve it would have been one of those stories you read about every once in a while that's tragic Mm. all these high school kids right or 18 year olds killed or whatever. So I'm ticked. I dropped them off. They're mad at me. The girl, the girls are all yelling at me. And I'm I'm like, just shut up, you know, get out of my car. And so drop them off, bring my girlfriend home, drop her off, drive home. I remember passing a police officer and I'm like, oh, he's going to give me a ticket. He didn't flinch. But, you know, just like I'm mad. I go home. I'm just angry. uh, go to work the next day. My boss makes sure we're separated. Right. And this tape is still playing. About how this changes and after he gives his life to Jesus. And I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. And it's like, ah, oh, all right. So what's going on? So Wednesday night, we're supposed to have band practice. We're coming up to a big battle of the bands. This is going to be our big break, right? And this, and we've got the, we've got one of the best slots to, to win this thing and where it's going to be good. And, um, Mark doesn't show up. He goes to church. Mm. Wednesday night. So then the other two band members leave. Practice was at my house. They leave. Then, then the three of them who went to church come and show up in my house and apologize to me. And I like, I know I'm the idiot here. I <laughs> not the one, I'm the one who almost, uh, just, uh, you know, caused us to refer to that day as the accident and all that. I'm, I'm well aware of that. So they apologize to me and I'm, can't, get over that. And so Thursday night, long crazy story short, I'm laying in bed. God's really dealing with me. And I again, I can't shake it. So I finally agree. I'll go back to the concert the next night. And I do. Friday night, I go to work. I'm like, Mark, I want to go to the concert. And I heard more testimonies. I still didn't get saved. Monday night, my girlfriend was going to be baptized. Sunday. Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. And so I went to church with her Sunday night. And I had dressed up a little bit for the concert because it was at a church and everybody else was real casual. So I had gone real casual, shorts and a t-shirt to church, thinking that's what the church was. And then I get there and everybody's dressed up. I'm like, well, I'm out of sync with that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that, one of the things in the cassette that the um, Israeli colonel had done, he he had prayed, Jesus, if you're real, send the preacher to me. And that had stuck in my mind. And so uh, the altar call comes. And my friend's girlfriend grabs my girlfriend and they run to the altar. And my friend puts his hand on my shoulder, looks at me, and then he goes to the altar. And there was a guy who came and kept talking to me at the altar calls. And I didn't want him to talk to me anymore because like he would convict me. And I didn't know what the <laughs> conviction was. Again, I'm just trying to get... So I'm like, well, nobody's dealing with anybody at the altar. Now, if I had thought of running out the door, I would have. But my mother had asked me where I was going that night. I told her I was going to church. And she goes, pray for me. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go up there and I'm going to pray for my mother. And so I go up there and all of a sudden I'm praying. I'm like, God, what is going on? And I feel a hand on my back. And I look up, it's the preacher. It's Paul Stevens. Brother, can I pray with you? And I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm praying for my mother. And I just bury my head. And I'm like, God, what is going on? I don't <laughs> understand this. I really didn't. and I guess, But I guess you, this is what you want me to do. So we get up from the altar. We go to the back. Paul Stevens comes over, introduces himself, and he sees me in shorts and a t-shirt. And he goes, "Are you getting baptized tonight?" And I said, "Yeah." <laughs> and that's how I got saved. Wow! So baptized on the same night. Same night. Wow! In Pastor Warner's mother's pool.
3: Yeah.
0: What? Pastor Warner's mother's pool. Yes. <laughs> By Paul Stevens. Yeah. Uh, well, he didn't do that. Oh baptism. well, he was yeah.
1: there. <laughs> he was there. Wow, that is wild. And you were seventeen years old.
0: Seventeen. Three weeks away from my eighteenth birthday.
1: Did you even know what baptism was? No. <laughs> no. This but was, you jumped at it.
0: This is all new. I just knew I just knew that every time in, in these ten days since I had gone to the concert, uh and there's you know, just time for time's sake, I'm leaving out I'm a hundred details, but every time it was like God was dealing with me, and i this was all very, very new to me, but I knew that I knew. It's kind of like, biblically, the only way I can describe it, it wasn't quite as dramatic, but when Paul is knocked off on the road to Damascus, he's knocked down, it's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm. He knows, and I knew, and it was just the way it was. I just knew this this what I had to do.
1: If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or 4 dollars per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, And Study Day, Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to World Evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on PodChaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.